Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What people wear to work at investment banks, management consultancies, and top law firms is ridiculous. This hit me last weekend when watching Tony Erdmann, a German comedy film in which a youngish management consultant is visited at work by her father, who turns up uninvited, wearing a shaggy brown wig, a shiny suit and a set of joke shop teeth. As his vast, unkempt figure lumbered through the gleaming office, it occurred to me that the absurd one wasn't him, barely able to speak through his mouthful of snaggly gnashers. It was the consultants, all shiny and beautiful and looking the same as one another. In the past decade, what people in the best-paid jobs look like has got more uniform and extreme. There's an unwritten dress code that everyone has to follow and which goes like this. One, there's no such thing as too expensive. Two, there's no such thing as too toned. And three, there's no such thing as too bland. No one dares look individual. The only way of standing out is by looking even sleeker and richer than everyone else. These rules apply equally to men and women, only the latter have an additional hurdle to clear. Women must look as sexy as possible, without looking tasteless. Sheryl Sandberg has nailed it. Kim Kardashian has not. The youngish management consultant in Tony Erdmann wore her uniform well. Her heels were high and the fabric of her dark suits showed the pleasing contour of her bottom while her sleeveless dresses displayed the firmness of her arms. This is exactly as it is in real life. Not long ago I gave a talk to a top US law firm at 11 in the morning. There were eight women lawyers in the room five of whom were slavishly doing a Sandberg in tight, unforgiving dresses in block colours and crippling, towering heels. I'm not sure at what point work became like this, a rigid cocktail party minus the cocktails, but it's vaguely troubling. We rightly make a fuss when receptionists wear heels because their employers demand it but not about the women who feel obliged to dress this way because their colleagues do. These industries employ ambitious, competitive people, and it's no surprise if dress becomes as competitive as everything else. The buildings they work in make it even worse. Banking and consulting offices are competing with each other to be the shiniest, the smartest, the most blandly ostentatious, encouraging the people in them to do likewise. As the floral displays, the expanses of limestone, the modern art get more excessive, so do the shoes, the handbags and the tailoring of the people who work there. The way people dress exposes two of the greatest lies of corporate life, diversity and authenticity. Not long ago I attended a women's conference in Asia, sponsored by a global investment bank. On the screen the words... 
The power of authenticity were enormous, and staring at them sat 700 immaculate high-heeled women, swallowing unquestioningly a series of platitudes about the importance of being themselves. The only diversity in evidence was that while some were wearing Mew Mew, others were in Diane von Furstenberg and Burberry. Last week, I turned up to a meeting at an investment bank in flat boots and a navy blue corduroy shirt dress that came from Uniqlo and cost twenty nine ninety nine. It was more or less the right size, newish and cleanish. The only flesh on display was hands, neck and face. It was practical, demure and comfortable. As I looked around at the others, men in fabulously tailored suits and women in shapely jackets and discreet gold earrings, I felt as outlandish as Tony Erdman. I was at a disadvantage. I was a weirdo, a pauper, inferior. I'm not sure who benefits from the extravagant, super sleek, super bland dress code. Possibly clients are more likely to trust advisors who dress professionally but only up to a point. Customers cannot enjoy being so systematically outdressed. Unless the point is that by subtly humiliating their clients, bankers, lawyers and consultants find it easier to lord it over them, making them less likely to protest at being charged the fees that make such extravagant wardrobes possible. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit